Alright, we're back. Sorry about the wait. Um, I'm gonna have to... this. Everything's being manual today. Um, okay. Welcome all to the Through Our Eyes podcast, uh, a uh, podcast that we do fortnightly to highlight marginalized uh, content creators and their stories, help educate and uh, um, just basically answer those weird and wondrous questions that we never really get answers to. Um, I'm Drac, as you may know, and um, there is our, our lovely uh, co-host, Pan. Would you like to tell us a bit about the Through Our Eyes project and, and where it came from, and etc.? Of course. So you, you may know if you've uh, been a frequent listener of the podcast in the past, but the Through Our Eyes project started a couple of years ago now on Twitch as a sort of a long set of conversations between myself, other hosts, and marginalized members of the sort of Twitch and streaming community. Essentially what we wanted to do was open up the floor to people whose voices don't always get the loudest say and use the platforms we had to try and bring more attention to various different topics. But what we found through doing those streams was that there wasn't enough time to individually speak to people and learn about them and their stories. So the context behind what they were telling us so that's where the podcast came from. And how many episodes are we on now, Drac? 32? Bloody hell. That's a lot of episodes. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> when I saw it, I was just a bit like, wait, really? <laughs> yep. Yep. So yeah, it's uh, it's uh, been going for a while now. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I, I can't even remember when the last uh, big uh, one was. Uh, it was about a year ago, yes, because unfortunately wow. with my with my job and with uh, my physical health, I had to kind of balance them. So it was uh, a mix between being able to do the podcast, being able to stream, uh, being able to work and look after my health. Something I had to fall by the wayside, unfortunately, but I do hope to bring them back at some point. Okay, and um, just to put out there, um, alerts will be uh, non-existent while we... Um, uh, have this conversation so that we can focus on the uh, topic at hand. If you'd like to submit any questions for our guest, there is a channel points redeem uh, in in the the little like channel points feature, um, and we will try to answer as many of those at the end. Uh, but please, as we go along, uh, feel free to submit those. Okay, um, right. So time for our guest. Hello, would you like to introduce yourself, tell us your pronouns and handles, and uh, just, a, just a little tidbit about yourself? Of course. So let's start by saying hi, guys, gals, and non-binary pals to everyone. Uh, I'm Lotus, I go by she, her, and you might have, or might not have, seen me on YouTube doing budget deck techs for Commander mostly, because... EDH and magic in general is getting extremely expensive. I mean, they're charging a thousand pounds a booster pack now. So um, it doesn't have to be expensive. And I explore that and show you that a 30 pound budget deck can take on anyone at the game store. Um, if you do want to see these sort of videos, I'm at YouTube. Uh, just search Lotus Bloom Gaming. Uh, my Twitter is Lotus Bloom MTG because they don't give you enough space uh instagram is lotus bloom underscore gaming or you can catch me on twitch where i just mess around playing at the minute cult of the lamb just just for a bit of variance 
uh, which is also Lotus Bloom underscore gaming. And uh, what are you here to talk about today? So everything today, I believe, is all about uh, complex mental health and physical health and being a content creator and just a general member of the community. Because although we are creators, I think the community is what makes us more than anything. And I just wanted to share what it's like living with all this complex <laughs> situations. Uh, wow, that was terrible typing. Um... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think the uh, um, chatbot is broken. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, if uh, anyone would like to go and check out uh, um, our guest uh, and our uh, co-host, uh, um, please uh, uh, use the various uh, names that will be... Uh... Yeah, there we go. Thanks, Sai. Um, <laughs> be posted up intermittently. Um, okay, right. If everyone is okay, let's get into our first question, shall we? Okay. Okay, cool. Right. So, first question is is real real easy, uh, but quite a long one. Um, is um, give us the lowdown of your story uh, and uh, uh, what actually brought you here. What what is it that you want to talk about, and how did it begin? Okay, so probably like many other people, you're living a life and you feel a little bit different. Something's not quite right, and you're kind of not sure what it is. That was basically me up until a few years ago. Um, nothing really hit me until I caught COVID back in the very beginning of, I think, 2019 when it started in November, December, but it wasn't as bad. Uh, I caught it very bad and I'm still suffering from post-viral fatigue uh, from that. And due the lockdown as well, the mental health declined, depression came out, um, other things started to snowball, which then set off my PTSD due to an old workplace, um, which was being treated by therapy, which wasn't working because everything seems to be CBT. That's all they want to throw at you, CBT. It, it doesn't work, at least for me. Because <laughs> sometimes it's too complex. CBT helps you manage things, but at a certain point, I feel that they just throw CBT at you. After finding a good group of friends who I now live with, um, one of my housemates suffers from ADHD. Uh, they noticed it in myself, so I got tested. I am uh, ADHD positive with uh, combined both uh, intense and manic ADHD. So I can be hyper-focused or I can be just away with the fairies. Um, on top of that, having anxiety um, and recently being discovered I have anemia. <laughs> as well as complex PTSD, depression, anxiety, low mood and low motivation. So it wasn't until recently when all this was diagnosed to the point that I've only just had the anemia diagnosis a week ago, that things start falling into place. You start understanding why you behave the way you do. And I think a lot of people are living with these 
not illnesses, but these conditions as well as illnesses that are going untreated and they have no idea. And so I really want to just get the message that people shouldn't be afraid to get tested. And pre pre diagnosis, um, how was um, how were with you mentioned that you knew something was not quite yeah normal but you didn't know what so how did that affect you and and what was so i was uh because it was mostly the uh und undiagnosed ptsd and the adhd i just thought i was strange i would hide from events uh cower into corners and stay away from people push people away because i thought that my actions were abnormal and weird um you'd have the paranoia that people would laugh at you um so you just felt like an outcast to be honest like there that you, you think there was something wrong with you that you were doing but you never have that thought in your head that it's something medical and said that you were diagnosed with PTSD Yes. And so was this something that um, happened from your childhood? Was it more recent from the COVID? Um... So because I suffer from complex PTSD, it's not a singular event. It's a continuous living condition, um, which started, as far as uh, the therapists are concerned, right back as a toddler. So it's just my upbringing, everything all the way up to recent events have just continuously mounted to this uh, stress. And all I can imagine, it's like you're filling a barrel throughout your whole life, except instead of overflowing, the barrel is just getting wider until it finally breaks at the seams, which is what happened to me about five years ago, where it finally erupted and then all the suppressed memories just flooded out. So that obviously must have been quite uh, um, a lot to deal with, uh, of it, just as you describe, as a flood. Um, did this um, heavily impact you when this happened? Like, did it stop you yeah. being able to work? What, how was it affecting I, you? I was actually at work when it happened. Um, and I was working in the financial industry. Um, and unfortunately, I snapped so much, it basically cost me my job. And since leaving on my own terms, for better reasons than just being sacked, um, I've not worked since because the stress um, and the depression from that event has caused me to freak out just at the mention of looking for work so i am in the eyes of the law or the government unfit for work so that must have been quite a i mean i not knowing what how you felt about your job or or, or anything that must have been quite <laughs> the significant uh, uh life change though Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, going from someone that loved exploring, going on a train to a random town on the train line, exploring, seeing local cafes and local sites to retreating into a house and just staying in bed all day and 
I still don't like going out now. I mean, I uh, uh, can't say that I blame you, but uh, <laughs> 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 but yes, yeah, so I can imagine that's uh, quite a significant change for you and uh, uh, something yeah. that is in itself a, uh, a hurdle that you now must face. Yeah. With lockdown as well, you're not allowed out <laughs> back at that point, yeah. so it just reinforced that feeling. So you can, it's like you're not allowed out. I don't want to go out, and they just come together and go, we're not going out. <laughs> so, you said that this kind of all, co- uh, 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 like, kind of congregated around the same time with the uh, uh, um, uh, pandemic. Um, which came first? Okay, so the <laughs> mental break happened about five to six months before the pandemic. So this was the middle of 2019. Um, I was going through therapy for the massive mental break, and then the pandemic hit, and then everything else just flooded out due to being alone in your house with your own thoughts for the first time in God knows how long. Yeah, and so you then also uh, got COVID on top of that yes. as well. Yes. So how did that end up affecting you? So that made everything worse because then being depressed, you then go, why am I also getting this illness? It then snowballs into why is everything happening to me to the point that I did actually attempt suicide twice. Um, luckily, now I'm off that and I'm doing a lot better for that. So I don't think about that. Um, what it did do, though, is give me a lot of respect for people that feel that way, because there is a thing that I got as well, which is, oh, you're selfish for wanting to commit suicide. Think of everyone else, which... I get that, it's true, you're not there to pick up the pieces, but for someone to get to that level, there's something seriously wrong that needs to be addressed, and the help isn't always there. You can pick up the phone, you can phone um, the Samaritans and get help, or the police in the case that happened to me, but um, as in mental health help, there's not a lot. So whatever you do get, claw into it. Don't give up. So were you still going through therapy when uh, this occurred? Or had you, as I like to say it, uh, fallen down the uh, uh, cracks that uh, they they so often uh, uh, leave once you've fulfilled their quota of allowed therapy? Yes, my eight weeks had finished. Um, Uh, which barely scratched the surface, but according to that, my quote was done and I'm okay. Um, I'm now on therapist number eight. But, uh, yeah, I basically waited another six months for the second therapist. And, yeah, you just get fallen down the cracks at the moment. How did you find therapy when you had it? Honestly, the first one I had was very insightful because the guy wasn't so much trying to help me resolve and manage what I had more than help me understand what I had. 
So we talked about what it was doing, how it was affecting me. So I got to understand that more than how to solve it. As I got different therapists, they were more interested in trying to cure it, which is very difficult when you've got so much in your life that causes it. Then I had the typical one that just says, try not to think about things, which immediately got me into another therapist, um, which today I'm now speaking to one who's actually very good, but they're focusing more on my ADHD than my PTSD, because I think after this one, I now have a counselling session. So... Sorry, I'm trying to get the timeline uh, uh, correct in my head as, as well at the same time. <laughs> so, first there was the um, TSD and depression. Then yes. there was the COVID, and then there was the uh, uh, ADHD. Yeah, the post-COVID fatigue, ADHD was afterwards, and then recently, to a week ago, was the anemia. Right. So... When it comes to the ADHD, yes, tell us a bit more about how that came about um, and what you were experiencing pre-diagnosis and then how your diagnosis went. So I was always one of those children that was very distractible. Um, weird imagination would do strange things like... Um, you make up silly things like you have to turn on the light and off the light and it's really hard to explain because to me they're normal but i would i would basically do things what you would think a weird child would do so pick leaves off while you're walking down the street um play silly games in yourself um my mind would never be quiet i'd read books but the story wouldn't be what i'm reading it'd be what's in my head and then i'd look at the page and it wouldn't be the story that I've just made up in my head. Um, I'd forget things completely all the time, thinking I was just stupid. Um, so distracted. And very energetic, but then also hyper-focus on things and complete tasks in super speed and wonder what the hell's going on. Luckily, as I said, my housemate saw that in me and was like, you should get tested. Um, so I did, and got combined ADHD, which they put me on some medication, and it made me worse. So I was even more irritable, bouncing off the walls, so distracted I couldn't even sit still and watch a TV program. Um, they went to put me on a second medication, but honestly I refused to take it because one of the side effects was uh, sudden death. Especially if you were taking uh, Cytilopram, which is an antidepressant, which I'm already on. But yeah, no, that sh that shocked me too. One of the side effects in one in ten thousand was sudden death. That's that's, that's so, wow. So I refused to take that. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I, <laughs> that's I mean, it's one of those things it. that you want to avoid. Like, yeah, it cures it, I suppose, but not in the way I want it to be. <laughs> Um, but when I got diagnosed with ADHD and they told me what it actually does to me, it now makes sense and I don't worry about it as much. If I'm distracted, I'll just go, it's ADHD, I can't help this, I'll try a little harder, but 
don't blame me if I can't. I have short-term memory. That's my ADHD. Please forgive me. I will forget your name. You just... There's a lot of people online, like, um... That show you all these toys. Like, I've got one around here somewhere. Like, little ADHD toys that help you focus and fiddle. They are actually really good. But you have to find the one that's right for you. Otherwise, you just get bored of it. Um... But once I got the diagnosis, it is just accepting it and then moving on. Pan, what's really yours? Good, <laughs> I was going to say, that's a really good point with ADHD, because I was diagnosed last month with um, a hyperactive type. Because, um, like you, my brain never shuts the fuck up, and if it does ever start to slow down, it's normally with things I don't want it thinking about, so it's trying to find a way to speed it back up or slow it in a healthier way. Yeah. Which is often quite frustrating. Um I am also waiting on titration, but I'll keep in mind the sudden death and try and double check mine doesn't say that because that would be unhelpful at this time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think you are very right with ADHD with the diagnosis, which is a privilege to get because it's fucking hard to get one at this time. It was a year's wait at least after being fobbed off for half a year as well. Um, yeah understanding that you have ADHD and even having the validation of the diagnosis has made it easier to be like I am not a failure part of me works differently so yeah. you know I can be having a really bad day and be like okay that that is my ADHD how can I work with it it's almost treating it as a second entity for myself that helps me go you're an annoying little git what can I do to shut you up okay you've stopped good back to the task at hand and and going through there and it makes it a lot easier to communicate about but yeah it, it definitely is one of those that i've found helpful since finding other people from them how they manage it because it won't ever just go away no and unlike I, I some people have had great success with medication mine actually mm. just made it a hell of a lot worse i was mm. bouncing off the walls to the point that um, my LGS owner was actually severely worried about me, and he knows I have ADHD. Mm. I mean, uh, I can definitely identify with all of the waiting uh, <laughs> 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 as I sit here doing this because I can't, I'm trying really hard to focus on the conversation. Uh, but, but so, how long did you have to wait? Or did you go privately? Um, I didn't go privately. I went through my doctor. And you're going to hate me because it took three months. I mean, it's it's that's great. As in, like, <laughs> you obviously got in just before uh, the uh, 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 sudden upsurge um, of um, yeah. recent years. Um... Yeah, I... I th oh, hello. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I, I, I think the three months upset. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> my, I think my router shut off for a second. Wow. Okay, if it does that again, I'll do something. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I, I can totally understand that. Um, I will have. I'll have. Uh, um, other screen ready just in case it happens again. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll check the down detector to see if it's actually Virgin freaking out. Um, 
Okay, so, um, we've gone over, like, how it was affecting you pre-diagnosis uh, um, and then when you got diagnosed, and we've got a timeline now. So, tell us about how each of these affects your life currently, whether that be socially, physically, um, uh, as you said, with work. Um. Okay. Um, so with the uh, complex PTSD, depression, anxiety, and low mood and motivation, it does stop me going out a lot. Um, I, to the point I've lost contact with a lot of people. The only place I truly feel safe going out to is one of my LGSs, um, mainly because they really look after me. They know my history. Um, and I can go there just to chill out in the back room if I really need to get away from everything. Um, otherwise, family has disappeared, because I don't know if you get it with ADHD, but if someone's not immediately in your life, you forget them. You don't mean to, but they don't <laughs> exist if you can't see them. <laughs> I I often feel so guilty about this because I occasionally get a message from my dad being like, have I upset you? And I oh. forgot you exist, but not... <laughs> Bye, internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Would it be easy if I turned off my camera so it doesn't blow up your overlay if it does disconnect? I mean, it's it's fine. It's 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 purely that you're cutting <laughs> in and out audibly. Um, so uh, we're we're only getting like Dust. smidgens at the moment. Um, <laughs> so um, I very much identify with that in the sense that um, luckily it's with my grandma and uh, my grandma is. Uh, in her in herself and in her own words um uh uh going a bit senile in her <laughs> in her own uh, uh diagnosis um and basically we spend um we maybe talk like once a month and it's usually a case of one of us calls the other one and goes i'm sorry i forgot um, yeah. and then, and then spend a good five minutes going, oh yeah, no, no, me too. Yep. Yep. I've been meaning to for the past two weeks and, and I've only just now realized that it's been two weeks of going, I need to call my grandma. I need to call my grandma. Yeah. I'm just getting completely and utterly distracted and forgetting. So yeah, no, it's, it is one of those things where it's a case of, it's not that, for, well, in my experience, it's, it, it's not a case of that people don't exist. It's that you have these moments where you go, I need to do that thing. Yeah. Or I need to talk to that person. And then three weeks go and um, and, and suddenly it's like, I talked to that per I did not talk to that person. Oh, oh, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, unfortunately it's caused a lot of friends to wander a bit too far to the point that I've lost contact. Um, luckily, the household of five people, me included, the five, so four others, 
Um, they're the ones that helped me the most. Uh, one of them is the one that diagnosed me with ADHD. They're the ones that helped me with all the PTSD and taking me shopping. Um, so I'm really glad that I'm in a household, which we call the community now, um, of found family, I suppose. So if it's not in this household, unfortunately, I will forget. Um, up until the thing that I forgot about this stream until what two days ago <laughs> i was like oh no <laughs> um but i'll be sitting in a room and i'll be introduced to someone and they'll go hi i'm uh, let's say i'm dave and i'll go oh hi i've already forgotten <laughs> and that really upsets people and it's like it's not that i don't listen i just don't hear and there was this really great thing that I saw uh, on uh, YouTube shorts the other day of this guy trying to remember people's names by putting them on post-it notes and sticking it to the wall. And they just start falling off. And that's a great way to describe, basically, how I remember things. They're there, and then they fade. Yeah, uh, it's not that they are forgettable, but we haven't absorbed the info. Yeah, yeah. That's. I feel like that's that's pretty accurate. Um, it's it's not about them. <laughs> it's yeah, about no. Us. <laughs> it's not my fault. I can't remember you. It's not that I don't like you. I just I don't know who you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's. I think that's something that often uh, gets uh, um, uh, becomes between people when uh, we're uh, talking about health issues and uh, be that mental or, or physical health issues. It's that quite often it's quite common for uh, for a lot of uh, um, uh, guests to mention that they have lost contact with friends that they have had a that their relationships have taken a hit um and it's it's usually a case of that people are seeing it from just how it, it's their fault or their something to do with them and it's a case of no it's genuinely a thing to do with with the person with the health issue yeah <laughs> it's not that we're <laughs> We're trying to be a dick to you. It's it it's it's literally a, a case of that something has happened. Something yeah. a new element has come into our lives that is affecting our functionality or our our existence and we have to change things or or adapt and with someone who's not suffering from from some form of health issues it's hard it's, to understand it's really it's really funny at the minute um because i'm also a judge a level one judge so i'm i'm kind of programmed myself to go up to a table and go um i'm really sorry if i forget your name and i'm really distracted i have adhd and <laughs> so please bear with me i'm not being rude it's almost ingrained that I have to explain myself to people before I've even met them. That must be both helpful 
and also extremely frustrating. Yeah, it takes up a lot of mental energy to explain to someone why you're the way you are. But has the diagnosis also helped? Yes. Um, just, it was really strange actually, because prior to the diagnosis, people would think, like, up until the point where you're getting tested, you're like, okay, I may have a mental health condition or something else. People start treating you differently. Um, they almost treat you like, I hate to say it, but a leper. Like, they don't want to go near you, they don't want to upset you, they don't want to catch it or be... I don't know, they just don't want to be around you or upset you, so you kind of lose contact with some people. And then on the other side, once you get your diagnosis, the people that stayed become stronger bonded to you. Like, they saw you at your worst, they now know what you've gone through and what you've got, and they're willing to stick with you further. It's just, I don't know if it's the same in any every country, but there is this thing in the UK that mental health is a stigma that people don't like or want to talk about. It's that whole stiff upper lip, carry on sort of mentality. Yeah, and um, as Pan's mentioning there, um, the emotional labour that comes with it, it's you're both asking the people in your life to take on an emotional labour and also presenting them with that option. Yeah. Like, it's like you get to choose whether or not you take on that emotional labour, but also I don't really want you to take on emotional labor. <laughs> I don't really, like no one wants everyone to have to have this like burden upon themselves because that's how we see it I, I, from many conversations. Illness it is something that we perceive as a burden to others. It's a, a I mean it's a burden to our lives, let alone anyone else's. Um, so we're both asking people to take on that extra labour and also having to give them an option and sometimes those people have to walk away from it because it's their choice at the end of the day whether or not they can or want to take on that labour. Yeah, they might have their own issues that we're not aware of and they might not be able to handle it on top of what they've got going on. But uh, that's sometimes a sad thing to see a friendship go, but we're not fully aware of everyone's circumstance. So, was this um, something that you experienced with your other diagnoses as well? Um, yeah. So, not so much with the post-viral fatigue, um, because before that I was fine. Uh, health-wise, but after getting COVID into the post-viral fatigue, because it's long COVID as its other name, people still think you're infectious sometimes and you can see them freak out a little bit and you're like, it's not the same thing. It's the aftermath of what happened because of COVID, not that I now have it. So people do sort of give you the funny looks, try and stay away, treat you almost as if you're infectious still. Um, but the only thing that's truly wrong is the fact that I have no fatigue. Walking up half a flight of stairs is exhausting. 
Uh, even sometimes when talking, you'll notice that I'm struggling to breathe because I just have no uh, fatigue at all. So I think people do, especially in my situation, far my closest friends, they do see you differently when you get a diagnosis. It's almost some of them want to avoid you and others want to pander to everything that you have, like almost they pity you and they try and do everything possible to the point it's frustrating. So you've uh, found that um, uh, people tend to um, infantilize you um, and... That's, yeah, that's the word. Yeah, I do feel like a child sometimes, like, um, you ask for help and you're like, I feel like a kid again asking, like, an adult to do this for me. And what kind of things do you tend to need help with now? It's, it's really silly things like just the washing up, standing doing the dishes for longer than 10 minutes, I need to sit down, someone needs to help. Um getting off the sofa sometimes i need someone to actually help me off the sofa because i have no stamina to get off this uh to get up and off it um it's just silly things like that where you think I i'm still going through the mental gymnastics because before the stream you saw that i had a parcel arrive which was um a foldable walking stick it's getting to the point now where i'm borderline becoming probably disabled because of the fatigue because I can't walk very far and I'm still not I'm trying to fight that because I know I need help I know I'm kind of feel like I'm asking parents to help me with basic needs but I, I'm trying not to get that far but I can't help but see it go that way and it's starting, it, it gets really demotivating and upsetting So, oh, that's where the thought left. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, oh, we've gone. Um, I was going to ask for more details about how it's been affecting your your uh um everyday functions um okay. so you, you mentioned that things like the washing up and uh, uh not being able to get up off the sofa so this is obviously quite a significant effect on your ability to work um, yes have you you said that you the the, the prospect of even seeking employment is is already too much but how has that affected you for like doing for content creation and, and so forth so with content creation i don't have a timeline of when things come out i'd like things to come out on a regular schedule but i just do it as and when i can and i do it in small little chunks like um I build a deck for the $30 deck thing and I've got it sitting right here in front of me. So I'll be at my computer most of the day 
chatting to friends, watching TV or whatnot, and I'll just have it on the side and I'll just slowly work through it throughout the course of a week or two weeks. Uh, if it takes longer, so be it. I'm not restricting myself to time frames because I just can't keep up with them. It will mentally exhaust me. It will then start causing me anxiety and stress. And then I'll start going down the route of I'm not a good creator. And I'd rather sit there and just do a bit by bit and get good quality to my standard than rush through and make myself physically ill. Um, so I don't do a lot. I just do what I can. And I just do it for fun. I don't do it for results. I do it for myself. So, with it, obviously, so with, with this is obviously quite a, um, a uh, difficult thing to create consistently and to um, uh, provide that, like, I wouldn't say required, like, advertised, like, believed level of, of, of creation in which you have to do to be a creator um, yeah how have um your audience reacted to that surprisingly very well um because quite a lot of the stuff i do is through my own discord um we're generally all chatting on there constantly because that is easy to do i pick up my phone i can chat to people um when the videos come out they're excited to see them they give me new ideas new deck lists to try and brew new commanders um i wish i could do them all i really wish i could do them all but when one finally does drop everyone seems to be very excited um gives me loads of ideas um things that they've done instead of what i could have done uh to the point that i've got comments saying that they've never heard of cards before uh, I've inspired them to not give up magic, that they've found a new budget option instead. So it's been very positive, even with the, I wouldn't say lack of content, but the slow-paced content that I produce. So you have had a, a positive response in, in despite the, the fluctuating output, so that hasn't c come up as a problem. No, the only issue that I did find was Twitch. Um, because to get affiliate, you need to do so many parameters to get there. And that took three weeks of stress and a lot of crying at night to try and get it done. Um, but with the help of uh, some other content creators, friend, uh, so the MTG Filthy Casuals, uh, they helped a lot to get the parameters with me. So I've now hit affiliate and went back down to as and when recording. So there was that stressful time and I don't think I'd want to go through that again. Uh, prior, prior to re-going solo, I was with the Into the 99 podcast team and we do uh, Thursday night, I think it was, we do a commander night and then every Sunday was a uh, podcast. And it was just becoming too much, especially that they're Canadian and the hours are completely not right. So they'd be recording at eight in the morning, but it would be seven, eight o'clock at night 
and then we do a game from about that time which would leave me down to four in the morning and I couldn't do it anymore so I went back solo started to go slower and release as and when I can physically manage it and so many people started following and everyone's lovely so how long would you say that it takes for you to uh, put out like a video okay so my videos are roughly about 40 minutes long um building the deck is probably the longest part that can take anywhere up to a week because i'm not solidly doing it it takes time i then take it to my local game store and actually play test it with proxies or with cards i've accumulated uh to actually put the deck list onto a video you're looking about four hours and then about half an hour to an hour to upload and put all the descriptions down and spread all the um links and announcements that a video's gone live so if you discount the uh, physically building the deck five hours to put out 40 minutes okay and how long so that that would be like a that's the physical amount of time that it needs it, it needs to to put out a video right how long if i have the deck already made right how long does it take you now with all of the um, health issues? Um, it depends on my ADHD as well. If I'm in a hyper-focus moment, I can throw one out and sit there for a solid five hours and do it. Otherwise, I'm going back and forth six, seven days doing 20 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes. Uh, throughout those days because I'm just too heavily distracted and I don't like the quality I'm putting out. So some videos take a day, some videos take two, three weeks. Whatever the dopamine will let you grab on. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. But with your fatigue as well, I mean, in any situation, like five hours is still a significant amount of time. Um, it, assuming that, like, you know, your ADHD is allowing you the time to do so, with the fatigue, does that come into play? Because it does. Um, I'd say after about an hour, you hit the wall, and. Either I push through it and try and get it done, which is when I'm in the hyper-focus, I then become ill um, and then spend the next two, three days very drained, lack of spoons and just very lethargic, not wanting to do anything. So it's kind of like, do I complete it and then have a few days rest or I say rest, recover? <laughs> Or do I spend th two, three weeks and not have the downtime? It's a very difficult balance to try and do. And do you do all of your content? <laughs> for for audio only, um, uh, Pan has been writing in the chat about a... Uh, 
uh, recent endeavor about uh, uh, clay art, um, which resulted in a very sad half an hour of being covered in wet clay, which is a sensory nightmare, um, mm. and has now shown us this tiny, <laughs> tiny <laughs> duck. <laughs> That <laughs> yeah, that 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 in itself, that sad little duck tells its own story. Uh, <laughs> um, do you yourself have have any help or um, others contributing to the actual physical output? Um, are you are you a solo creator? Is there anyone who can help you behind the scenes? I am 100% solo. I do everything, uh, all my um, YouTube videos, the deck techs, I build everything, make everything, record everything, edit everything. Um, I do have help from uh, wonderful admins in my Discord, and without them, I think I would go insane. Um, they're the ones keeping the Discord going, not me. I'm I'm just merely there enjoying the safe space that everyone has created. Um, and I'm just hoping that it continues because the the people in there are wonderful people and help each other so much even when I'm not around. And after if I have one of those relapses where I crash out and come back after a day or two. The conversations I come back to are just, they're just nice, like seeing people help each other. So although I do a lot of the YouTube stuff and the Twitch stuff myself, everything else is done by the admins on Discord and the community themselves do a lot of it themselves as well. So in term, you said that you have, you sometimes have need for, um, physical support um and i'm assuming that's from your housemates uh my partner richard he um does a lot for me both financially and physically uh my housemates also do a lot for me um again financially and physically as well without them i don't think i'd be able to get through any of this and so on the financial side of things as you said uh earlier uh, had to uh, a job. So how do you then also support yourself? So I am on uh, working tax credits with my partner, um, but sadly they only give me £200 a month to live on because apparently he's supposed to pay for me. Um, I then have... Uh, hip so personal independent payments again i think that's only about 200 so the government expects me to live on 400 pounds a month so unfortunately i have to rely on everyone else for food shelter and that must so, uh, be quite stressful um just a bit when you can only just about afford your basic bills let alone food, uh, rent, it's, uh, money is a continuous stressful thing all the time. And so, in an ideal world where, um, returning to work would be up there, 
Yeah. <laughs> Being in the in a similar situation myself, I totally identify with it. <laughs> but um, be, in that in that magical world where it all 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 uh, got to a point where you could actually uh, um, uh, return, um, what do you feel would be your biggest challenge? Um. The fatigue would be one of the major problems, getting around uh, physically doing any activity. Um, and I think people... I know this is going to sound very contradictive, because what I do is I build communities or try to uh, make them safe spaces. I like to make videos to help people. But if I was to go back into, say, retail, I don't think I could handle it anymore. I think I'm too fragile to deal with that kind of uh, population. Yeah, that's entirely understandable. I mean, um, <laughs> even the healthiest person in retail uh, <laughs> has, <laughs> can tell you it's an extremely stressful situation. So it's entirely understandable that with added pressures and uh, difficulties that um, dealing with with that kind of scenario would be extremely difficult. Um, yeah. But honestly, I think that it, this conversation has definitely raised a, a huge, uh, um, uh, glaringly obvious uh, issue that I find with uh, um, way that disability and uh, illness is approached, uh, especially in the UK, in that, um, yeah, you're left to uh, fend for yourself uh, in, in, or, or for other people's to take care of you. Um, and there is very little in adaptation towards if you were to return to work on how those, how you would be supported in in those situations, um, how you would adapt and and that's things. if they even want to hire someone with um, mental health or physical health problems. Because from experience from other people that I know trying to got jobs, companies just don't want to deal with it. They'd rather get someone that's neurotypical, fully healthy, can do the job with no necessary adaptions because they they don't want to spend the money on the staff they've got, let alone hiring someone that needs a little extra help. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, definitely um, issue with um, uh, whether or not you first tell them because I mean, I think the first hurdle in, in that is case of, do you put that on your application? Because, you know, there's always those kind of like, fill in like, what's your your um, uh, uh, gender? What's uh, your, uh, uh, um, uh, do you have any disabilities? Criminal convictions, blah, blah, blah. These are the things that are usually, you know, listed as just generic questions. And it's a case of, do you, do you tell them? That you need adaptations. Do you? Do they then take on that information and go? Well, this will be an added <clears throat> burden to us, so we're not going to take on that person. Um, 
do you put it in your CV or your statement to yeah. actually be open and honest about the things that you deal with and therefore have had to expand as a person? So, I, you, you know, the, I, I suppose not everyone will, but um, in about two weeks, Axion doing the gathering. Uh, I actually applied to be on staff as a judge that time, and I actually did put as in what requirements do you need? I literally listed all of the requirements I needed, and yet they they still hired me uh, to do a one-day um, administration role where I get to sit down all day. So some companies, I think, are out there for the goodness of people, but I... It's not everyone. And I wouldn't know what the right answer is to say, do you put it on there or not? But in that case, I needed to put it on there because I couldn't walk around all day um, giving judge calls. I'd need a specific role. And how did you, have you, have you, that's, that's in a month, right? Uh, that is in two weeks, two, two days. Okay. <laughs> um, um, sorry, my cats are doing a rare event where um, they're actually being affectionate towards each other. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, is there anything that they are providing as a as a uh, adaptation or support for you? Um, so yeah, they did give me the role, as I say, as. Um registration so i'll be sitting down all day behind a desk they've also advised that there are um recovery rooms so if you get overstimulated or you have um uh, i've forgotten the word for it but if you get too much stimulus uh so you can't deal with the noise or the people you can go tell your supervisor and they'll let you go to this room to recover so they've got all these precautions for people with neurodivergency. Well, that's amazing. Like that that is really good to hear that 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 is the kind of resource and and support that honestly any any, any <laughs> uh, company should really be providing. Um so I'm really glad that that is a situation that is proving to be a positive. Um Yeah. Uh, okay, so before we move on to audience questions, we've got one last question. Um, if anyone would like to submit questions, please do so now so that uh, uh, we can answer them uh, after this. Um, so from your experience, what is um, a stereotype around mental health um, and how is the reality different? Um... It's kind of difficult to say, but basically when someone says they've got uh, mental health problems, they instantly think the worst. Um, they think that they don't want to hang around your too much effort. There will be one or two like that, but most of the time people just want to get to know you, get to know what's wrong and just try and accommodate to help you actually just be part of the team. Uh, especially with the housemates I've got, once they understood me, everything was fine and they accommodated to help me fit in with the group more. 
uh, when we plan trips, they'll accommodate me on the trips to the point. I think we're going uh, planning the Eden project, and there's no way I can walk around that. So they're already planning wheelchairs. So yes, there is the expectation that if you say you've got something wrong, people are going to try and avoid you. And I'm not going to say people won't, because some will. But the ones that are deserving of your attention will stay and adapt and help and if not be stronger bonded to you because they know more about you. And uh Wow. What do sticky nails is Um <laughs> It's not helping, Floki, it's not. Uh, <laughs> um have you yourself experienced any um stigmas or um, stereotypes in the time since uh, being diagnosed? Um, the stereotypical thing that being told once once you say you've got ADHD, they constantly expect you to be completely off the walls hyperactive. Um, like you're on blue colouring and sugar constantly. But what they don't understand is ADHD isn't just your hyperactive. It goes from uh, hyper focus to hyperactive to somewhere in between uh, to not knowing what's going on to just being forgetful. And I just really wish people, because uh, I think I may be wrong on this, but I think ADHD and ADD were combined into one diagnosis because they sort of cross each other's path so they just made it one um but i i think people need to not necessarily learn more about mental health but just try not to take on the stereotypes that every adhd person's hyperactive um which is the biggest one i've got and there you just described how um it's it can go between hyperactive, hyperfocus, um, somewhere in between. Um, do you also experience a, uh, I think the best word for it is the burnout from the chain, it, that high, high, heightened uh, uh, amount of energy and then the coming yes. down? Yeah, because... Not only are you hyper-focused on something, your brain is still doing other things in the background, like you're writing a story, but you're having a conversation in your head about what you're doing or what you've Ooh. done in the past, present, future, what's happening around you. So you're trying to do that. Um, there's also the fact that once you're on a hypo, you've expended so much energy, especially if you've got low fatigue, you've just burnt yourself out completely. Um, so it can be extremely exhausting just to switch between them or maintain one. And so do you only, uh, um, experience, um, uh, stereotypes and stigmas around your ADHD or have you experienced them with other diagnoses as well? Um, the other one that was more stigmatized is, um, depression everyone expects you when you're depressed never to smile never to laugh never to have a little bit of fun um 
when that's not depression at all. Depression is you can have a smile, you can have a laugh. The thoughts are still there. What you show on the outside is not necessarily what you're feeling. But I think people see these labels like ADHD, anxiety, depression. They expect you to act a certain way when it's more complex than that. Like anxiety isn't always being scared in the corner. Sometimes it's deep down, you're doing what you're scared of and it's eating you inside. And then when you get home, you'll crash. So yes, there is a lot of stigmas around that you that you see. And um, before we move on to the audience questions, um, it's usually nice to to uh, end um, that part on on a on a, a more positive uh, side of things. Um, so, is there anything good that has come out? Of, of this experience that you can share with us? Um, with the diagnoses? Um, so with the ADHD, after I got diagnosed, regardless if the medication worked or not, life just made sense. Um, things started falling into place. Once, once you get official diagnosis, like... Uh, I recently got, as I said, the anemia diagnosis. All the little things that you do that you think are weird, abnormal, strange, they just make sense. And it's almost like you come to peace with it. It's, it's kind of like an acceptance. So although the diagnosis is, might not be an amazing diagnosis that you need help or with the anemia, I need many injections and eight medications to fix it. But I know that there is something wrong and it's not in my head because there is a lot of things like with depression where you think some days, am I really depressed? But once you get that official diagnosis, it's actually I there is something wrong and I want to get better. And I now know the route to recovery because I know the cause. So having a diagnosis makes things a lot more sense. And what have you found the most helpful? Um, understanding that my quirks are not are actually part of me, and I've come to accept that and enjoy some of my quirks. I used to get embarrassed by outbursts and random things I do, but now I know it's ADHD. I kind of just go with it and enjoy it because that's who I am. I'm I'm me. If people don't like me, that's fine. If people like me, all the better. I'm not faking being who I am because I've done that a long, long time and I'd rather stop and just enjoy myself. Um, and if it's an ADHD tick, so be it. <laughs> okay, um, so we've got a couple of uh, questions that uh, fans put in because uh, I assume uh, the internet connection is still... <laughs> is still being temperamental um so um first question are there any resources for mental health in the uk you would recommend either for crisis or general education um the samaritans is really good for a major crisis uh if you're feeling really depressed and low they will listen and help um they won't give you any 
curable advice because they're literally volunteers, but they will give you all the information you need to get help. Um, there are other resources. Um, I can't remember them off the top of my head, sadly, but there are plenty of places out there to get help for uh, those dire, dark moments. If you're looking for other diagnosis, um, the best place to talk to is literally go straight to your doctor. And... Or, or ask friends. If, if, if you know someone that's got something similar, like I did, I had a friend that had ADHD, talk to them, see how they deal with it, what they did, um, and see if they've got any advice to help as well. And what have you? What resources have you found help? Um, the best resource I had was my friend. Um, them going through it prior to me gave me so much knowledge and places where to go, and just to start the diagnosis pro uh, uh, situation. Because without them, I would have just carried on living as I was. Um, otherwise, I think. I'm, I'm, I really wish I had the leaflet because there is a leaflet I've got buried somewhere in a box because I've recently moved. It's hidden. Uh, there are great places. I'll, I'll try and dig it out and put it in um, the chat or send it to you so you can give it to the uh, listeners. But there are great charities out there that will help with all this information and give you the right places to go. Okay. Um, and when it comes to the... Uh... ADHD diagnosis. Um, how did you go about getting diagnosis for those who are looking to do the same? Um, so I phoned my doctor and asked to uh, book a phone consultation because they don't see you at the moment uh, unless it's necessary. Um, it was literally a 10 minute questionnaire on the phone. They then sent me five to seven packs of paperwork via email, um, which had about 20 to 30 questions in each pack, which was insane. So having a um, suspected ADHD at the time, plus being dyslexic, I needed to get help to do it. So it took about two weeks to fill it all in. But um, once you filled it all in, they then send you off to um, a specialist. Um, it was a Zoom call meeting over video link, but the best way to do it is go to the doctor first, express your concern, and they'll put you through a small test. If it starts showing signs of ADHD, they'll then send you the pack. At least they did with me. I, I suspect that um, that pack is the diagnosis. How long does it take you to uh, uh, focus on uh, um, uh, answering uh, all of these questions in these uh, uh, ridiculous <laughs> length of paperwork that uh, are, are basically asking more or less the same questions in different ways? And how <laughs> does it take you a very long time to actually be able to complete yeah. that? Yeah, if you send the email back within half an hour, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah. Um, that also correlates with with uh, what I have gone through, um, and I mean, in terms of uh, my experience, they gave you several options depending on wait time length, um, 
and whether or not you wanted to go private. Um, yeah. Which seems to be the encouragement these days. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> go private. Uh, we Our resources are overburdened and uh, going to be a long, long time. Um, okay. Uh, and... I was going to ask about uh, the um, medication. So, did you get a a, a an option to um, whether or not you wanted to try medication, or was it just assumed? So, once we had the official diagnosis after the Zoom call with the uh, therapist uh, who specialises in ADHD, they talk to you about either sending you for coping mechanisms to help you just deal with it uh, they also give you the option of medication and all the risks that may be involved um, I did want to go down the medication so it was just offered to me unfortunately as I said it made it worse and then they gave me the next medication um, they send you an email with all the um, risks of it before they even send you the medication so you can say yes or no before they've even sent it to you so they give you so many little warnings uh, and chances to back out or go ahead with it so they've been very they're very good at what they're doing okay um i haven't been given any other questions but i did have one other question um of is there any uh representation in the media uh, that you think uh, does either mental health, ADHD, etc. Uh, justice? Um, in the actual media itself, I think it's still seen as a stigma. Um, as in media through YouTube and such, I feel people like uh, Jacksepticeye, Markiplier, who have ADHD, they're very big advocates to help people. Um, I think Markiplier does have other um, health issues as well, but those representations are perfect. It shows how popular people can be, how not normally functioning, but they can do just as much as any other creator can do, if not more. Um, they're, they're people that I would say would be good to look up to. I definitely enjoy them and wish that I had the energy they have. Yeah, I've got to agree. Uh, Jacksepticeye is, uh, <laughs> even before uh, his uh, ADHD diagnosis, uh, was uh, what I fondly referred to as my spirit animal. Um, yeah. <laughs> because his attitude towards uh, mental health and, uh, and just generally, like, health um, was always extremely... Uh, um, encouraging for me um, and then they got the ADHD diagnosis and then I was like oh god there are a lot of things pointing in directions that I don't want them to be pointing in but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, particularly his video on um, the fidget toys uh, yes. was, was just <laughs> a a highlight of of content creation of just watching Jacksepticeye 
getting really infuriated by. <laughs> it was. It was. It was the bit where he had that sticky one. He just flicks it, and it's just stuck to the wall. <laughs> it's like, oh. But it does. It did for me highlight very much the fact that yes, on the one hand, these diagnoses can be um, frustrating. They can be scary. They can be intimidating. Um, but on the flip side, you're also getting to explore a new aspect of yourself. You're also getting to come to grips with with a different like a different side of yourself that quite often may if it's a long term thing, if it's something that's always been the case, could help you understand yourself in so much more uh depth than you previously could and it also means that you get to have fun with exploring that aspect um, and trying out new fun toys that do fun things and wibble and stuff yeah <laughs> and one thing that I definitely stopped doing after the diagnosis is stop masking it's exhausting to mask did you find yourself masking um, a lot? What, what was your your version of masking? Um, so it was basically trying to be that person that's mysterious in the corner that doesn't say or do anything, um, just so I didn't say or do anything weird. Sorry, I'm just giggling pretending at Sam's response of pretending to have patience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I <laughs> um, but so with with that coming to grips with with um, your version of masking, has that affected you? Uh, uh, like pre and post in your interactions with people? Um, I'm a lot more hyperactive. I get involved a lot more when I feel comfortable around the people I am, like the people I live with. It makes me say some things that my brain hasn't caught up with my mouth. And then I'm like, oh, I regret saying that. But it's got to the point where it's like, they know me. Nah. <laughs> well, that's good. But I think it's less mental energy expended on trying to be something or trying to act some way I'm not, where I can put that mental energy on something more productive, like focusing on someone's name or the conversation I'm having. Okay. Um, well, I've run out of questions. Um, is there anything that you like to discuss that you feel like you haven't had a chance to cover um, and audience if you have any questions please submit them now um, or forever hold your pieces um, the only thing I say is don't get afraid to go get help we all are we all get afraid we all don't want to get the results um 
but without those results, you'll always be living in a false fear. I suppose a false fear is not the right way of looking at it, but if you're scared of something that you've not gone and got tested, it's um, it's just going to stress you out beyond just going and getting tested. The worst they can say is, no, you don't have it. Like, yeah. I, I still remember um, back in university when I was getting tested for dyslexia, I went for a laugh um, because my friend wanted to get tested because they seriously thought they were dyslexic. Um, my friend got told it was just because he was from Sri Lanka and it was broken English. Uh, I went for a laugh and got told I was severely dyslexic. Uh, got a second diagnosis because obviously I went for a laugh. Uh, got told, yes, no, you're severely dyslexic. So... Even if it was a laugh, I'm glad I got tested and I'm glad I wasn't scared to go back and get that second diagnosis because I got a lot of help through university. <laughs> so don't be afraid to get tested. There's nothing worse than going untested and going without help. Yeah, I mean, that's... There's always this thing of, like, um, you can... Be fearful of, of getting the diagnosis, but at the end of the day, it's better to have a diagnosis than to have no idea what. Well, yeah. It's, if, if, for example, if you're going to go get a diagnosis and you're scared of the answer being, I've got whatever this is, but you don't get the diagnosis, the fear of, I might have whatever this is, is still there. But if you got tested, it might not have been there, and if it was there, you then have the help to help it, instead of being in this constant state of fear of, I might have this. I, I can definitely speak from experience that, um, yeah, okay, fear of, uh, uh, I might have this, uh, and uh, um, uh, building up to going in is, is bad, but it sucks a fuck ton more if you uh, uh, go uh, um, uh, get nothing and still have the issue. It's much yeah. better to have at least some answers than none. Yeah. But anyway, um, Pan, do you have anything else that you wish to cover before I do the sign-up? Okay, right. <laughs> I feel like we're doing some kind of silent charades at this point. It's like... <laughs> Is it a film? <laughs> um... <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you uh, very much for coming and talking to us today. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time out uh, to... T tell us about your story and to, to talk with us it's a very it's an, it's an anxiety thing it's a it's something that is uh um a very strange and unusual thing to do and obviously can be quite uncomfortable so i appreciate that you took the time out to uh come talk to us um is there anything that you'd like to say before we do our sign off. 
Um, like, if anyone wants to talk privately, I do have a Discord, um, which most of my um, channels do have a link to, and we do have a mental health chat channel in there where we happily talk without bias, uh, without judgment. So if anyone does want to talk or get information, I'm more than happy. Um, if I have the mental spoons to help, you might have to wait a day or two if I'm on a bad day. But I'm more than happy to talk to anyone that wants help. And do you have any last pieces of advice or tidbits that you'd like to leave our audience with? Um, just be kind to each other. If someone's struggling, don't always pander to them. Just ask what you can do to help. If they say nothing, leave them be. They'll come to you. Um... But also, if you are feeling like that, people are there to help. So ask for help if need be. It's better to get help than struggle. All right. Um, okay, so thank you once again for joining us. Um, please go and spread some love and uh, uh, check out uh, um, Lotus Bloom on, on the various socials. And also thank you once again, Pan despite the abysmal uh, uh, internet for for joining us again as co-host um and also go go spread some love pan's way as well uh but yes thank you thank you chat for hanging out i hope this was interesting i hope it was educational um next podcast will be in two weeks uh next stream will be tomorrow hopefully uh <laughs> But yes, thank you all for hanging out. I hope you have a good rest of your evening or day. I hope you have a good rest of your week and I hope you have a good end. So have a good one and uh, uh, say bye all. <laughs> bye all. <laughs> bye.